We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sanders gets it left side. Big room and a touchdown for Sanders. His second. Throws to the end zone. Touchdown. Adam Thielen makes the catch. Throws over the middle. It's caught by the former Raven. Hayden Hurst reaches for the goal line. In for the touchdown. Deep one. End zone. Caught. Touchdown. DJ Chark, the over-the-shoulder grab. And now Brady under pressure, and he's brought down. Back at the 27-yard line by Brian Burns. And it's picked. J.C. Horn. Panthers have it. And will score. It's taken into the end zone by Jeremy Chin. Bryce Young off play action. Deep ball into the end zone. Oh, what a throw on the money for the touchdown. Welcome to another episode of The Roar brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall, joined as always by my co-host, John Ellis, live on the ground from Spartanburg, South Carolina. John, how are you? Billy, good to be back with you, man. This is great. Uh, We're in the middle of uh, a joint practice session with the Jets. Got a chance to see a very good team up close and personal and uh, can't wait to share some observations. Uh, It's hard to follow all these tweets. I know I've been trying to tweet as much as I can out during practice, but um, we're going to try to roll it all up into one episode here and give you guys a comprehensive uh, perspective on at least what I saw on the ground there and, and some of your thoughts on on this team and their development, what's coming up this weekend with a big preseason game right on the docket there. Yeah, at the risk of flattering you, I do believe that your camp recaps thus far have been excellent. So I just want to throw that out there. And I'm sure sure many of our longtime listeners would agree. Um, But uh, for this format here, because the Panthers are engaged in a joint practice with uh, the New York Jets, who are featured on Hard Knocks, Uh, I did watch last night's episode pretty good. Yeah. Um, So Carolina will most likely be featured in the next hard knocks pretty in-depthly and they also have a game this upcoming week so that's why i wanted to join you and uh, just get your unfiltered thoughts on how this practice has gone um because uh, let's be honest the reason why i value joint practices so much is just because you know sometimes when you're going up against your own competition your own teammates it can get a little redundant so it's good to kind of switch it up and uh you know, practice against another team. So I've always enjoyed that part of the training camp. And uh, let's start at the top, John. How did you think this team, you know, performed overall from an intensity standpoint? Billy, I thought it was a great practice. And look, I'm I'm cautious to be too uh, optimistic. You guys know us by now. We've been doing this show since 2020, and we're nothing if not straight up honest with you. But I thought the Panthers got the most that they could have out of this session. Uh, notably, there were a couple guys who mispractice today of course they had a few others as well that are sort of reserve players but Frankie Lufu uh, did sit out and that was unfortunate because he's a former Jet kind of wanted to see him you know hyped up with some of the guys he's familiar with from that uh, old uh, unit he was with and then uh, LaVisca Chenault who's been really good so far as sort of the Swiss Army knife in this offense uh, did not practice today Uh, nor did uh, of course Demir Burb we talked about that yesterday Billy that He's got a hamstring issue, and it doesn't look good. So a guy that we were talking about uh, recently on this show, you and I, uh, Bird may be uh, out for the rest of camp. We just don't know yet. It's going to be probably around a month, according to Frank Reich. But, yeah, first impressions, um, you know, look, let's talk about the, the, the broad perspective, the, the macro, if you will. I, I thought the, the Bryce Young, uh, obviously the microscope is right there on this quarterback. 
I thought he handled himself quite well. It's interesting to watch him in person, Billy, operate throughout camp. We haven't seen tip balls, and I think that was one of the big concerns from a lot of people that it might have been unwarranted, but it, it's a natural concern that those will have with the 5, 10, and a half, whatever quarterback. Um, the bigger concern I continue to have, and this gets back to our chat with Matt Bowen, is his frame and will he be able to withstand the type of ground hits that will come his way, and that's to be determined. But in terms of finding his own windows, in terms of anticipation, vision, um, it, it really stands out. It really does flash. He had a couple of throws today that we'll get into more detail later that uh, were from um, from deep range, and we're talking 25, 30-yard throws in the middle of the field. Uh, and and the, the scheme is good, too. It fits what he wants to do. But good pocket movement. I thought the offensive line for the Panthers did a nice job today against some guys like Quinnen Williams and others. Uh, Hayden Hurst had a big sort of peelback block early in the session that got things hyped up. And there were a few almost fights. And we'll get into more detail position by position here, but I think the broad view is both teams got a really intense session in without doing the one thing that we've been talking about, Billy, that is just so counterproductive for the past few years, this team getting into fights at camp. And I think that's a testament not only to Frank Reich and some of the veterans there, but also Robert Sala and his veteran group too. It was a really crisp practice. Um, some narratives out there about Aaron Rodgers' frustration level, I want to address that here shortly. Uh, I think that's a little overbaked. Uh, but no, I thought it was a very good day for both teams. Panthers defense really shined as well. We'll get into that in detail. The front in particular had a very nice day in the pass rush game. Yeah, oh, for, okay, let, let's stick with this joint practice. There are a couple other topics I do want to hit on, um, most notably some of the injuries and uh, the preseason depth chart, which in my opinion means nothing, but we will address right, some right. An interesting thing there. And then obviously the Justin Houston signing. But I want to stick with um, this topic. You want to address the Aaron Rodgers situation. I've seen it, you know, tweets or X, whatever you want to call it, all over, um, you know, that platform and other aggregators. Yeah. The floor is yours. Well, you know, look, here. here's the deal on what I experienced with Aaron Rodgers today. I, I actually had a chance to ask him a question, which I thought was fairly uh, amazing because you only get about – it's like playing skee-ball at Chuck E. Cheese. You get about eight balls to ask with Aaron Rodgers. And, and I had a chance to ask him in the press conference about James Camp and his relationship with him. And I didn't sense any frustration. The, the reporting, if you haven't heard, it's from Rich Samini, who covers the team for ESPN.com put out an article for ESPN.com about some of the frustration level. Florio ran with it and sort of posted um, his context that, hey, this has been brewing, and now here we go. The honeymoon's over. Aaron Rodgers is is going berserk. Um, and I'm paraphrasing Florio there, but that's kind of what it felt like. And I didn't sense that at all. I sensed a guy who, look, Billy, it's joint practice. Um, he's a veteran. He's going to be demanding. I think to this point, from watching Hard Knocks, from watching some of the stuff that was mic'd up from the team, the Jets, that is, um, he's been an absolute pro so far. He, he's back with Nathaniel Hackett. You can tell that they operate on a very uh, fascinating level, but they, they're very well connected. And I think it's interesting that that's how they're covering the Jets. It's a team that, look, from the beginning, the, the narrative around this has been today He's frustrated with some of the pass protection stuff. Well, no kidding. Yeah, this is one of the things I talked about on my show down here on Fox Sports Upstate on iHeartRadio, that there's all this hype about the Jets, and I get it. You've got the quarterback. But while they're good in the run game, and they were real good in the run game today, they did get a little bit, I think, of the better end in terms of movement in the run game against Carolina's front. At least they held their own. They had a hard time with protections and 11-on-11s. And I, I think maybe frustration would be a fair way to put it, but to over-exaggerate the frustration to where, oh, it's time for this ticking time bomb of Aaron Rodgers to go off, I don't think Rich Samini was writing that at all. His perspective was, okay, Rodgers came back and was very fair with what he said. Hey, we're frustrated, but there's some good teach tape there. That's what he said in the press conference, and I thought that was a very fair way to put it. So, I don't know. I just get a little annoyed when I see some of the, the advancement of quotes and narratives when you're there on site and you see it and if you're not there on site look I, there's times where i'm not on site and i'm giving my perspective perspectives are fine but just make sure you're getting it right also as john fox famously said they get paid too talking about the other team and i think it's a testament to 
you know, Ajara Evro's defense having a very good day. Now they go again tomorrow, or if you're listening to us right now, it's on a Wednesday night, uh, Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, they'll, they'll tee it up tomorrow, and maybe it's a different story, but I didn't sense frustration, Billy. I just didn't see it. Uh, I, I watched the whole practice. I didn't sense it. Yeah, I, I'd like to respond to that because I think what you said is very pertinent and accurate for a few different reasons. And um, you know, the first thing is, again, I'm not trying to – I have – zero perspective i'm just obviously relying on guys like yourself who are on the ground but i i will just add that the jets started training camp a week before everyone because they were playing in the hall of fame game so they're actually you know well into the dog days of camp um it's a very hot summer on the east coast so hot that even the saints have to cancel practice yeah. uh, outdoors and move indoors because it's really humid and hot. And I can, and I have been to Spartanburg before during a training camp and I can definitely confirm it is extremely uncomfortable, just the heat in that yeah. environment. So, uh, and in addition, the jets are traveling to Carolina to, you know, perform practice in a, a new environment. So right, yeah, they're right. not going to look as crisp in this situation. And I want to go back to, um, you know, the joint practices taking place between the lions and giants uh, that is taking place in Detroit. And yesterday, you know, all the talk among the jets or excuse me, the giants media and the lions, uh, it was that the giants really struggled. Well, yeah, of course they're coming into a new environment, new practice yeah. field, new situation, new, you know, they're traveling from a hotel to New practice field. So, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time. I'm more curious to see how the Jets respond tomorrow because I do expect you know, them to be a little better tomorrow. Uh, but overall, John, I, I really agree. I don't think this has much to do about nothing. It's just the dog days of camp frustration, I'm sure, is, you know, it might not be, you know, publicly expressed by Carolina, but I'm sure they also have some frustration and annoyance on their end too. So it's just, it is what it is, you know, training camp, especially in this type of summer heat on the East coast minute, you know, Midwest, it's, it's very unbearable this year for some reason. Uh, but I just think that there's so many contributing factors to why, you know, that type of just public outburst could occur oh, from totally. Rogers. And again, I don't necessarily think it's uncommon. I think it's probably experienced in all types of, camps across yeah. the country. It, look, this is not a Jets podcast and I I'll, I'll I'll leave it at this that it's 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 relevant at least to the point that that Carolina did their part to to add a little bit of frustration to the offensive side. The uh center of the team for the Jets, Connor McGovern, uh had said this to the media, quote, "I sense frustration from everybody, everybody on the O-line, Aaron the coaches. You can't go three and out in a 2-minute drive like that. I think there was a disappointment from the whole team." And here's Rogers' response to it, just to make sure. And this is, uh, again, coming from Rich Semini, who wrote the article that Florio uh, aggregated and put his own spin on. And this is Semini writing. Trying to maintain an even keel, Rogers didn't sound concerned after practice, although he noted the pass protection was not up to par. Quote, I thought maybe we didn't have the same type of energy as Carolina for whatever reason at the start of practice. But I thought there were some good things. A lot of learning tape out there. I thought it was good to be out there against a different defense. I thought we handled the front pretty well in the run game. Pass game, there were some issues. And that was that, Billy. I was right there in the tent. And we moved on to other topics, including <laughs> me. I wasn't trying to put a salve on it for him. I, don't, I could care less about Aaron Rodgers' feelings, but I wanted to ask him about James Campen because there's a big story about the two of them bonding over the years in Green Bay. And he gave a great response that maybe we can wedge into the podcast here. I'll put some audio into this later. But he, his eyes lit up when he heard the name James Campen. And the takeaway I got from Aaron today was it was a good practice, but he left Panthers fans with a little Easter egg saying, hey, you're in good hands with this guy. This is one of the best coaches I've ever coached or played around or played with and for, and and they're in great hands. So I thought that was a pretty good detailed like 60-second response from a guy who was going to the Hall of Fame in the near future. And to that point, Billy, a guy that you're, you're right, Spartanburg, it's hotter than hell. It's humid as hell. It's a new environment. Of course, you're frustrated when things aren't going great. They did go three and out on that series, but he was playing with some backups there. So I think, you know, all with a grain of salt here. Well, let's discuss, you know, some of those contributing factors, and that is the defense. Uh, there are some clips going around of Brian Burns, you know, having some success in the run game and also, you know, making a run stop in 11s. And I guess 
one of the refs told him to not to do a sexual <laughs> dance or something. I no, don't know. No sexual celebrations. Yep. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it looked pretty innocent if you ask me, yeah, but yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, anyway, so let's discuss this defense. Um, Horn had an interception. I thought it was a, it was, a, it was definitely a no look pass from Zach Wilson, but the receiver, you know, should have caught it. And yeah. Horn was in the right place at the right time. So definitely some, successful plays and uh, moments from this defense, but individually, how do you stack up their performance in terms of just the increased competition? You know, what kind of, how are they faring in some of these drills and other situations that uh, they were placed under, whether it's 11s or sevens? I thought the defense was outstanding today. I, I and again, I, I don't want to overhype it, but I, I think for what you're looking for, Burns really stuck it to the, the the very very much maligned tackle Mackay Beckton. He had some great reps. A spin move really is looking the part of a guy who's added a little bit of bulk to his game. Uh, again, lots made of base three four, but so much of it will still be with his hand in the dirt, uh, playing nickel dime sub alignments and all that, and wide nine. And then you're going to see a lot of that from Brian. But he did offer a, a bit of that new sort of power and strength game that, that he's bringing. Not that he didn't have it before, but, but man, he looks bigger, he looks stronger, and he looked the part against another team's line today. Um, Camus Grugier-Hill, the, the name that I've tried to get right for, for weeks here, um, has, has been really good. He, he's, he's like a vacuum cleaner. He's been catching interceptions almost every day at camp. And uh, during the two-minute period, um, there, there were some good moments. You had, you know, the, the the first and second team string offenses for the Jets have some moments where it was like, okay, you're three and out. And 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 Grugier Hill had a great interception at the end of the session. There, he threw the ball um, and had a great celebration. I, I think you're seeing guys also that we have talked about, like Shy Tuttle, who. Is, is sort of that nose tackle. He can play a little bit along the line in every position in this 3-4 alignment. He's getting penetration. Derek Brown has been outstanding at camp. And you mentioned Horn, right place, right time for that interception. Um, Rogers started out pretty good. I mean, there were some good moments early on in practice where he was hitting guys down the field. Um, but I, I think in terms of individual guys, Burns stood out the most there in terms of what he's doing off the edge and you're seeing some some Justin Houston now who did get his old number back 50 so that's what he'll be wearing um we'll, we'll talk more about that as well during the show here Billy that that recent signing because that has an impact on where we go uh forward here in terms of pass rush and, and, and edge rush and, and not only that but but edge containment on the run but yeah I thought Burns was really the tone setter today on on the uh the defensive side of the ball and uh, once again, it's been like a different guy every day. C.J. Henderson's had a really good camp so far against his own offense. He's had some picks that have really been good, you know, drop-off coverage type of picks, you know, good recognition picks that Averro is looking for in this defense. But today, uh, Burns, uh, Grugier Hill, Horn, uh, and Shy Tuttle stand out as guys that uh, really kind of made an impact, as well as Derek Brown. Yeah, oh, so I'm obviously I'm pleased whenever someone – is performing well, but uh, for certain players like Henderson, I want to see it in a game setting. Absolutely. Uh, before I yeah. get optimistic about their performance, I'm not suggesting that not practicing well is a bad thing. It's always fine. But uh, I, again, just a player like him, I just want to see it in a game setting because, you know, we discussed it on one of our previous shows here recently that uh, cornerback depth is certainly a an area of you know, a situation that we'll be monitoring very closely because to me it was a concern. Uh, but, you know, transitioning now, I, I want to kind of figure out from you, John, um, you know, this is, they're putting, you know, a lot of situational, you know, uh, football uh, operations into this, uh, whether it's red zone two minute. How do you think they fared in that situation? I mean, obviously they had the three and out, um, but what was it like from just a, from on the field perspective, as far as like getting lined up correctly, like whatever type of exotic coverages or what they're doing on the back end that that you saw that maybe gave you confidence or maybe that you kind of have a little bit of trepidation with. No, I thought all that was pretty clean today. I think this is one thing that, and I'll give you some backstory on what I've seen them work on specifically 
and some of the the insights I can give you from people I've talked to around the team that uh, kind of flash, and, and I'll give you some insights from a player <laughs> that will open your eyes a little bit. But, yeah, I thought today, you know, th- there were a couple procedural penalties on both sides of the ball. There, there were a couple times where the flags came out um, in, in terms of defensive backfield, maybe some holding that, that, that were kind of ticky-tack. But in terms of stuff you're talking about, situational alignment, pre-snap, um, it's been good. Uh, you, you've seen in terms of the, the formatics of the defense, yeah, they've got that base 3-4 alignment going on, but so much of what they're doing, and it's it's really by virtue of their uh, their designation, at least right now, for Jeremy Chin. And it's not just a designation; it's what they're doing with him. It, it is very much a big nickel spot where they're they're doing like the Palomalu thing. They're getting him down there in the box, and in this case, they're they're using both Von Bell and a guy that calls himself Professor X now, Xavier Woods, as the the interchangeable free and strong uh, back there. In this, and, and I, I, I kind of like the, as we talk about with Averro's scheme, which comes from Fangio, and, and you're certainly, if not as qualified, more qualified than I am to break this down, and I can't wait to get the tape this weekend of their first preseason game, is that late rotation they do with the safeties. And, and you saw some of that today between uh, you know, Von Bell and, and Woods and Chen playing up near the line and, and attacking uh, the flats in some of these passes. There was a lot of screen game going on with Rodgers, too. So I noticed early on, a couple of the two or three reps in a row, they were running screen game, and Chin was uh, in on that as well. So, yeah, I think that's part of it. Also, one thing we noticed is, and and I'll, I'll keep his name to myself, but a player that's been here for Billy long enough to have played for a couple of coaches, including the last one, had said, look, it, it's, and we heard this from Johnny Hecker. I talked about this on a podcast recently, but another player that has been here for a while said, look, it's, it's night and day in terms of situational football. That's the biggest thing I think players are, are talking about that is different. I, I try to get you Tur Gross Matos on the record, and he didn't want to go there. I think he's trying to take the high road on not sort of bashing the, the staff that drafted him. And I respect that, but it's not about bashing Matt Rule. It's about pointing out, hey, there are things they're doing now, like red zone install red zone situational stuff that remember Teddy Bridgewater Billy came out and, and had that statement about we never really practiced red zone we never did that and players I talked to said yeah Teddy was kind of spot on it was really a void in, in the teaching and part of what this player told me was the the big thing that Matt struggled with that Frank does not have to struggle with in this whole staff is the fact that when you come from the college game you're having to learn everything the rules of the game the, the alignments, the, the hash, everything from the, the, the amount of time you have at, at halftime to, to go in and, and make the little adjustments you make or to, to get an orange wedge, <laughs> just little things like that. The challenge system, that's a big adjustment. And he never had that like assistant head coach, that Jim Caldwell type. And now Frank, while he's no Hall of Fame coach at least yet, and maybe he will be one day, he's, he's been a playoff caliber coach. And he's surrounding himself with guys who have a wealth of situational football. So one of the things I noticed – was Billy? Remember the game last year where Josh Allen fumbled right at the goal line, and it was the uh, Vikings game. Yeah, the Minnesota game. Yeah, they were practicing those drills, like escape drills, like situational type of drills. Okay, we're we're in a situation. Just shouting out, okay, this is the situation. We're we're up by X amount of points. There's X amount on the clock. Here's the timeout situation, and and it's again a very controlled environment. But they're practicing getting out of Dodge in those situations. Um, I thought that was interesting to see that emphasis being put on that level uh, of, of something that, you know, maybe Frank didn't get that from that game, but it's just something that's a part of his practice repertoire. That's the kind of stuff you're seeing. So to the, your point about today, look, it was hard to get a look at every single thing because they're switching fields. We're at a bit of a distance and we're close up, but I didn't see anything that, that stood out as objectionable from from a procedural standpoint or situational I think they're they're on their P's and Q's right now, and it, it comes down to good coaching veterans. But as you said, Billy, much like C.J. Henderson, we got to see it in games, and and let's see how they look in these first couple of games coming up. I totally agree. Uh, before we do transition to the offense, let's stick here with the edge rushers. Obviously, uh, many have noted, including yourself, that Brian Burns has had a very strong camp, including a very good day today. Uh, but you know, Carolina did. Uh, help the defense out this week by signing Justin Houston to a one-year deal. I, I still believe Houston has a good amount of gas in the tank. I thought he was very productive for Baltimore. Um, but to, to me, and this is going to be an interesting you know, dynamic moving forward, I've 
heard them uh, as in the coaching staff believe that he's a rotational player um yeah that's just uh, maybe that's kind of what he signed up for and what he wants but i still believe uh he should be the full-time edge opposite of burns Uh, i mean if you're talking about a guy that's known for his speed strength and ability to disrupt the quarterback and you know he can play against the run really well i just think this is a um a player that still has plenty left uh, to offer. And for a defense that's been looking for a compliment opposite of Burns, I think this is exactly what you're looking for. I was never really interested in Ngakwe, especially at that price. I think this was a better bargain, all things considered. Uh, He's just a better player, period. And 34 years old isn't exactly, you know, hitting retirement. Uh, He still, like I said, has maybe a year to... um, of really good ball left in him. So I want to hear your thoughts on you know this acquisition and how you think he will be able to fit in this defense, whether it's, you know, full-time role on the edge or a rotational option. Yeah. I think it's a much better move than, than Yannick would have been at that price tag. I think, you know, Chicago has overpaid on a couple of fronts here, um, but that's their business. I think, you know, they got him for what up to 7 million, I think is, is where it caps out uh, with incentives. And I, I think it's a one year, uh, rental, if you will. And I hate to put it that way, but that's what we're looking at here. And it's the kind of move you make, not necessarily when you think you're championship caliber and even, you know, Frank and other people have talked about this, but it's the kind of move you make when you feel like, okay, the division is there. I mean, obviously they feel good enough to compete for it. And you don't make that move with a guy like that at a decent starter money without the thought in mind that, okay, you know what, number one, he can help us situationally, if not full-time, achieve our goal, which would obviously be number one, to to win as many games as possible. Number two, to somehow uh, become the, the NFC South champs once again. And I think that's right on their radar right now. I think Houston, to your point, you know, Utilization, playtime, that they still think very highly of um, Marquise Haynes. I can tell you that uh, because we've talked to people around the team. We've talked to the head coach, Frank Reich. What do you think of him? I mean, I think Haynes, to me, is is a very good pass rusher. Now, Billy, I don't know if he's going to be as good holding up against the run as maybe Houston. I, I think Houston, to me, is a more complete guy on that other side in a base situation. But again, so much of what they're going to be looking at is nickel and dime. I think, to me, if Haynes gets healthy, they're they're not relying on him as the full-time starter. They wouldn't have signed Houston if that was their estimation of him. So they saw him, I think, the same way I I see him as a guy that's a pass rush specialist. Houston, to me, while he's, you know, not the best run stuffer in the world, he's not bad at it. He's got you know the physique. Frank had talk, called him a freak. I think he's an outstanding run defender. If I'm being honest, and, and I, I I don't disagree with that. I just didn't want to overcook my take on it. I, <laughs> I don't think yeah he's not terrible at it. He's not he's not going to get he's not going to get gassed in the run game. So I think you'll probably see if if this staff is on the same the same side as us on this, which I think they are. Um, not to say we're influencing their decisions. I just think we have similar perspectives on this you'll see more playing time from houston than many people might think uh last year against i looked at his tape last year billy in the middle of the season i mean he came on i even asked him about this in his first presser like week seven through 11 he had like eight sacks and he just kind of lit the world on fire against like andy dalton and the saints he just was a wrecking ball in the run game he had an interception a forced fumble He's an impact guy. So utilization's interesting, too, when it comes to, like, Gross Matos, who, look, the day before they made that signing, we were talking with Uter, and he was really, I don't want to say annoyed, but I think it was uh, Joe Person had followed up a question I had. I was trying to get Uter to talk a little bit about the culture change from last year to this year, and, and he didn't really want to go there. Joe asked him again, and then somebody asked him a question, I think it might have been Sheena Quick, um, about, you know, this is a big year for you. And he talked about, you know, I'm on social media. I see what people say. And he's he's keenly aware that he feels like people believe he has been below expectations. I think he might see himself as a guy that hasn't measured up to his own expectations. I don't want to speak for him, but I think his role could be enhanced situationally. The, the best tape I've seen from Uter, honestly, has been a nickel and dime at three technique. 
as a NASCAR package type of guy. Really? I mean, that's a little concerning. Well, I mean, where else have you seen your turf shine so far? Well, okay, let me just give you my perspective for a second here. I won't take too long. Um, Yes, in a nickel and dime situation when he's going up against guards and centers that he is much quicker than, he is going to have an advantage. So I think that's that lends himself to utilize his strength, which are his speed and athleticism. I, I don't think anyone can take that away from him. But to me, his best spot as an NFL player is edge. Now, if he wants to carve out a role like Arden Key did when he went to the 49ers, then I, I think that's possible. But again, that's a very niche type role for him. And part of the reason why I'm excited about the Houston signing is because the general manager in the offseason mentioned that they had to get bigger at the defensive end spot yep, because right. had situations where teams would just run all over you. I mean, you know, they would crack down on the edges against, you know, and just the, I'm talking about receivers and tight ends would crack down on their edge. I mean, then you give up, you know, the entire C gap to one of these running backs running outside. And we've seen it plenty of time, whether it's an outside zone team like the Falcons or uh, 49ers or just an, another team that probably doesn't even run that well. Yeah. So, yes, uh, I think this has been an emphasis for them for a couple off seasons now. And the fact that they were able to land a guy like Houston in August, I mean, it's pretty encouraging because, again, with all due respect to you know their draft pick that they traded up for, I don't think that he was... Um, I don't think he's ready, and maybe you can offer your, you know, what you've seen well, from him. No, I'm, we're not. I'll do this right now. We're not there yet. I mean, when we get the preseason tape, we'll know more. But, right, I mean, look, DJ Johnson's been fine. But, like I said, it's way too early for me to, like, say, oh, yeah, he's a camp standout or he's a bust. It's it's way too early. But to kind of close on my point here, I definitely agree that – the edge rushing, the edge rushers that in the defensive line overall, it has plenty of versatility on pass rushing packages, but you have to get to third down to make that worth it. And yeah, so do. I think it was important for them to figure out a way to address the run defense, especially on the edges. So I'm glad they did that. And now you can kind of mix and match those fronts and give YGM more opportunities inside. And maybe that is like an area that he has to really just, um, you know, kind of create, create for himself in, in some ways. Yeah, no. And again, it's not to slight him. Um, I think he he's had, like many of these young guys, a, a hard time with, you know, a, a lot of changes with the, the coaching staff. And, you know, Phil Snow was the mainstay there, but obviously – you're you're getting a higher level of teaching and coaching right now, and I don't want to overcook the fact that he might be frustrated. But you don't make a move for Justin Houston. To your point, a guy that's six three, two seventy, who's got great size, who uh, you think extremely highly of in terms of his ability to stop the run, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. I just uh, I I think Yatur is going to have to really the reps he has in these preseason games are vital, and I imagine he'll have a, the same type of base role that Houston will on the second level, the second team. And, and you know, he'll he'll have some snaps with his hand in the dirt. I, I Again, I don't think you can rely on a guy that was picked that high just to be, you know, a 15 snaps guy, a game, NASCAR package. He's not even going to be, you know, a, a five or six sack guy if they do that all year long. I'm saying occasionally I've seen most effective work from him sometimes at three tech in a niche role. And that's, I think, a testament to not only disappointment that some fans and, and some of the media have highlighted with his game, but his own frustration that that he's working through right now. And, and I'm not speaking for him. I'm just saying he, he's a guy that clearly understands that this is a big year for him. Um, I don't think he's a bubble guy at all. He's a valuable piece of this defense, but uh, it's a big year for him, Bill. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that was a very good stopping point because I want to transition now to the offense. And uh, let's start right at the top, John, with the most important topic for this team, and that's quarterback. Um, you know, I, I did read some tweets, or I don't even know if I call them tweets anymore. Well, I'm going to call them tweets. I'm not going to call them X or whatever it is. Call them tweets, yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I read some tweets that that even Andy Dolan had some very promising moments today. So uh, let's just discuss uh, you know, the rookie quarterback, Bryce Young, and how you think he fared today. Yeah, I thought Bryce had a, a solid day. When you uh, get this type of uh, challenge, which is a new defense, you're you're getting new looks, new feel. Uh, it's 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 a whole different can of worms than going against the same guys over and over. And he didn't. It didn't feel like to me. And look, full disclosure here: Sauce Garner did not practice. Carl Lawson was out, but he completed. I, I would say probably about sixty-five percent of his passes. If you're keeping track of stats. Um, I saw that one down the seam to Mingo, I think, right? Yeah, he hit Mingo on on what was just a nice seam route right down the middle there. And it was a good shot. And, and I come back to, again, what's happening in like two-minute drills where he was really efficient. The one thing that stands out, and I asked him about this after practice, I asked Frank Reich about this after practice, is the tight end group. You have seen more from them now than we've seen in years. And we know that the, the prior regime had a real hard time getting these guys involved. And I think it's one of the reasons that, you know, and even mentioning some of the names that we've been talking about, like uh, Sullivan had a big day today. Thomas has been more active in the passing game. Again, it's camp. I know we'll see in the games. But there's a real effort here, Billy. Whereas last year, two years ago at camp, not so much. They're not using these tight ends specifically as blocking components and that comes right back around to Bryce Young where Frank Reich said today my question to him was Frank this offense it's always kind of been with you there's no true number one number two and he said yes I agree with that and we view Bryce we view Bryce Young as our Steph Curry we view him as our point guard a distributor uh, it's all about creating conflict and distributing to the target that's available and that is his game, and he's played it so well so far in these camp moments. Uh, this was a big stage, too, now. You've got hard knocks in town. It, 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 it goes to show you, Billy, once again, what a point you drove home last year, and I don't know if – I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it kind of encompasses the point you made about the level of competition Bryce faced, some of the moments he was at. He's a Heisman winner. He's a guy who beat Georgia twice a couple of years ago and had a, a monster game against that defense in the SEC championship that had, like, what, 10 guys that were drafted on that defense? So these moments are a good indicator that, okay, you can't learn everything from Bryce Young, but with, with hard knocks there, filming everything, with 10,000 people literally in the, the, the hill there in the stands at, at Wofford watching this thing, he was cool as a cucumber. And that's what you love about Bryce Young. There's no nervousness, and it's all about his footwork. Um, I had a chance to talk to Anish Shroff today, our friend who does play-by-play, and he spoke with Jake DeLome, so this is kind of secondhand through Anish, but Anish told me that Jake said the thing that stands out the most about Bryce, it's when he opens up his own throwing windows, his own throwing lanes, uh, and his depth he gets on his drops is outstanding, but his footwork. And you know, Jake, <laughs> Jake had to work hard on his own footwork, we know that, but Jake said, yeah, that's the one thing that stands out about Bryce is his footwork is so clean. And it's what we saw on tape so many uh, times when we broke it down in the spring, Billy, about Bryce is just how feathery light everything looks in the pocket. The feet are just so fluid. It's a different type of quarterback than we're used to here from recent years. And he had a good day today. I mean, look, no fatal errors. There was one interception. Um, 
young number 26 for the Jets. I don't have his name the in front six, of me. six, I think. Brandon Eccles. Yeah, Eccles. Um, and that that was a tough one because, look, you know, Chark had his hands on it, but Eccles jumped it a little bit. It was a contested play. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I wouldn't worry too much about the interceptions in general. I think the fact that it's a high-volume passing game right now, you're going to have some of that. And uh, like I said, John Fox always said they practice too. They get paid too. So, no, I thought Bryce acquitted himself well on this stage. We'll see tomorrow if it's a different story. Robert Sala throws a lot at you. Um, and Jeff Olberg, their defensive coordinator as well. It's an intense unit. Um, and we'll see if – I don't know what the condition of Sauce Gardner is tomorrow. I don't know if he gets in in there and then and maybe Lawson. But they, they were down a couple guys. Uh, that, that needs to be said. But, no, Bryce looked really good, really good. I mean, just in the pocket. Just so much in command. And, look, there's going to be an occasional sack, but it's hard to tell when we're kind of charting sacks at practice what is and is not a sack for Bryce Young. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Because, you know, so many of his things, you get out of structure there, and how many times did he dump it off to Gibbs or other guys uh, that play he had on on the boundary there last year comes to mind. So I I think he's doing just a a really good job right now. But a big game coming up this week. We'll see at least a series or two, I think, from Bryce against the Jets. Um. Yeah, one thing I want to say, I, I just saw the clip. Someone posted it. It looked like uh, Eccles was playing a trap coverage, and uh, there was a receiver running right to his sideline, and he did a pretty good job of baiting uh, Bryce Young yep. to that interception. So real credit to Eccles there. Yep. Um, but, yeah, th- this has been something that's on my mind, and I, I want to address it. And I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts, too, because you've been at practice. I could not – I mean, I can care less about training camp stats – I think it is the most pointless and ridiculous discourse that's out there. And it's it's everywhere. People are doing it with, you know, like the Ravens had like six or seven interceptions the other day. Like yeah. another team had like four or five. It's I'm just like so sick of it. Like interceptions are not the worst thing in practice. Now, certainly if it's a quarterback that's, you know, um, like I got a level like at a Baker Mayfield or, you know, a Desmond Ritter that's not necessarily very experienced. And, you know, I think you have to kind of, you know, deal with the context in certain uh you know situations but honestly like I, I, there was like a period where you know Bryce had thrown like an interception every practice and I was just like I really don't care about this like and I think aggregators picked up on it like Florio yeah, was yeah, writing something about it it's I I don't know what you think I personally I, I think you know training camp stats have just been and for some reason it's been really elevated this year I don't know why yeah. uh, but as someone who's there as someone who's covering it do you like what do you make of just training camp statistics and interceptions in general from the quarterback position all I can tell you is how I cover it and I'll give you my perspective on that so when I'm at camp look I, I've got the the depth chart or the the full roster sheets from the Panthers and today was two different ones so I'm, I'm there and, and a lot of what I'm capturing is audio for for uh iHeart Radio and for this pod as well so I a lot of my thought is is you know let me develop some things I can ask people after practice that you know shed some light on on where this team is because people don't want to hear from me they want to hear from the people that are on the field so I'm thinking about that and I'm observing but so much of what we miss Billy and and I know there's some accounts out there like the guys I'm on the beat with are are really cool about this like Mike K does a lot of the like 14 of 22 type stuff I think Joe does this as well and I think that's just fine that that's just taking account of like how many balls were caught how many balls weren't it's not full context and I think they do a good job of spelling that out in their reporting but I also think that for me personally I I don't my brain gets scrambled when I try to write down because some reporters will come up to me and be like, who caught that? Who who didn't care? Who, who was in coverage there? And I just don't want to get into the weeds with all of that. I want to try to get a feel for the structure of the play, the structure of the coverage, the technique. I think that's more important than anything. This is teaching season. So I want to see Mingo getting off the jam. I want to see who's the true boundary X in this, in this passing attack. Is it Terrace Marshall? Can he get off that press? What are your techniques in terms of your, your nickel coverage when, when Chin is back there in your safety rotation? Horn's been playing some of that star position. Uh, what's your alignment up front with your defense? Are you playing some of the tight stuff? Are you playing base 3-4? Are you playing wide 9 at all? You got guys with the hands in the dirt. I'm observing on stuff like that. And, and Billy, I'll say it again. We get our hands on the tape during preseason. That's like gold for us because that helps us understand, okay, now we can really see what the context is behind it 
I had a good discussion with a guy on the field about this, and it was a real good conversation about each interception has their own context. And part of the context with like some of the interceptions we saw last year were just these were just bad throws by quarterbacks who aren't very good. Every Bryce Young interception, and even the one today where you talk about, you know, the, the, there was a little bit of baiting going on. There's a story behind each one of these, and and that's important to note. And if you don't note that, or you can't note that, or you don't have the ability to note it, and I'm not going to claim to be one that can because I don't have a perspective of every single play, and I don't see what the quarterback sees. You know, our guy J.T. O'Sullivan says this all the time. We're not there in the room. We don't see what the design is. We don't see what the progressions are. So it's real important to add context and a little bit of nuance to this whole thing rather than just saying, well, (laughs) Bryce Young – Every day now, there's been an interception. Like I said, there's also the other side of the ball being opportunistic, and I think it's a testament to the defense that over the weekend, yeah, the offense wasn't great this past weekend, but the defense was outstanding. Derek Brown was a wrecking ball. Billy, he was in there all the time in the backfield, and that pressured these quarterbacks into some decisions that otherwise wouldn't have been made. But Bryce, you know, in particular, has been very good with not being careless with the ball, and it's yeah, I'm with you. Like, there's nobody on the Panthers beat that I would say is really bad about doing this. But I saw a guy on Twitter that's like actually keeping real stats, like yards per carry and <laughs> yards per completion. I'm like, guys, wow. Let's let's stop with this. It's I can't. My brain. I'm just there as a, a macro observer. But I I like to find a spot on the field that's away from people where I can get a good vantage point and just watch technique. And that's that's. That's my game. That's what I do. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but that's that's how I observe this stuff. What do you make of this skill position room? Um, I saw you note that Bryce Young did a pretty good job of distributing the ball today to guys like Hurst, Chark, Dillon, Mingo. Um, you know, obviously the injury to Bird isn't ideal. Um, and you mentioned earlier that your question about to Frank about the tight ends. What do you make of this skill room? I'm pretty optimistic about it. I think there are a lot of hidden gems in this uh, mix here, and it goes back to a couple of points. Number one, well, some of the moves they made with DJ Moore exiting the door, there, there's, a the, again, the conversation about you lost your number one receiver, and Frank will continue to tell us, Frank Reich, and, and I, I keep driving this question home a lot so people can be reminded that in his structure, in this offense, especially with Bryce Young as his quarterback, you look, you would love to have a guy that's a top-five receiver in the league, a Cooper Cup, a Tyreek Hill, a, a Jefferson. Who wouldn't love to have that? But it's not necessarily essential to what they're trying to accomplish right now. And I don't want to say it's catch-by-committee, but it's a solid group. And you start with Thielen, who is obviously their slot player. He's going to play a lot uh, of that, that F position in this offense, the slot position. And you're seeing a lot of three by one. You're seeing a lot of Y ISO. But Frank also said that, you know, like Ian Thomas, for example, people viewed him as the the Y ISO blocking machine. And Frank views him a little differently. Frank sees some of the athletic traits that I think we saw in him when he came out of Indiana back in, I think, 2018. And now he's under contract and they're trying to make the most out of that contract by making him a weapon in the passing game. Hurst, I think, again, Kind of a low-volume target guy last year because there were so many damn mouths to feed in Cincinnati. He's got a chance to shine now. He's got a chance with a rookie quarterback who, let's face it, will be running around a little bit and creating different platforms and different opportunities in the passing game to be a you know second, third option in that uh, progression to be sitting right there, either in the hash, sitting down, or even attacking the hash. He's a great option. I, I think Sullivan has had a nice camp. I don't know if they keep four of these guys. Uh, Ricci, you know, bubble guy. And then, of course, Trimble has really been given. The guy we talked about with Greg Cosell. Again, what did Greg Cosell tell us on this podcast, Billy, at Notre Dame? Low volume in the passing game, but can do it. He has the athletic traits to develop into one. And he'll melt your face mask off when he blocks. And you see some of that, too. Miles Sanders gives you a lot. He caught 50 balls as a rookie. In Philadelphia, I, I think they changed their philosophy a little bit, and that was less of his uh, emphasis over the past few years. But it's clear from camp the guy has good hands. Hubbard is running hard at camp. What do we see on game tape? We don't know yet because we haven't fired up the game film for preseason games. They have yet to happen. 
We'll see what happens there. The offensive line, we'll talk about that later. Uh, as far as Blackshear, that's one of the hidden treats that I, I think is still very much on this team. Blackshear had some good reps last year. I like him a lot. Now, again, is he going to be an every down back? No, he'll be a spot player. He's getting the reps at kick returner right now. They like him a lot. They like him as a guy who can come in and and sort of, I think it was a Mike Kay from The Observer who um, had said this to me. He covered the Eagles for a long time. Uh, one of their, is it uh, Gainwell for Philly? They kind of view him as a Gainwell type. And I, I think he could fit yeah, that Gainwell. role. Yeah, he could fit that role. So you, you need to have guys. You need to have volume. Mingo, I, I think let's pump the brakes on getting too excited, but let's also pump the brakes when he drops a pass or two, not to make too much out of the depth chart, one way or the other. Marshall's been really good. Marshall's been physical. Today in particular, against the Jets, he caught some balls over the middle and, and popped some pads and got some good run after the catch and some real contact 11-on-11 stuff. Uh, Thielen, again, good hands, good red zone target. Uh, the skill position group is is very good, and it's it's not tremendous. There's no superstar there, but I, I think if they all stay healthy, and Chenault as well, if he's in the mix, and they'll do some things with him that are pretty interesting this year from what I've seen at camp, um, it's 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 not too late for Shai Smith either. He's had a good camp so far. It's a good group, and they're going to have to make some tough decisions on the bottom end of that, especially with, with now Bird being hurt. I don't know if, if he's going to make it, Bill. I just don't, but, but it's tough because – we were hoping Bird would be a good vertical threat for this team, uh, but a hamstring, yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah, for sure. And this gets back to my one of my points earlier uh, that I mentioned about the preseason depth charts, and I, I usually just ignore it just because it's an extension of your OTAs and minicamp depth charts. Uh, but I do, my eyes do, you know, perk up a little bit when I see a rookie uh, on the first team ahead of a veteran. And that's where Jonathan Mingo was ahead of guys like Chenault and TMJ. So that's like the only thing I wanted to note on that yeah. front. And yeah. I'm just curious if you had any kind of reaction to that. Yeah, it gets back to, again, the conversation of how vital are these. I don't think that that is necessarily a true assessment of how they feel about uh, Mingo versus Marshall. Uh, you know, Thielen will play, I don't want to say a niche role, but he's been playing a lot of his reps inside on this offense so far in these, uh, what I, again, would say trips, three-by-one type of looks that that Frank's uh, employing right now, along with, they give Thomas Brown credit, too. He's the offensive coordinator, and Josh McCown as well. They're all a part of this install. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried or overexcited on either side about Mingo versus Marshall. I think they're both in line to be right there in the mix. I mean, every offense would like a guy on the X that can, you know, get off the jam and, and be at his best in that role. And you're going to face that type of, of, of challenge in these preseason games. So I'd say after the second preseason game, you'll, you'll get a really good idea of maybe deployment. But once again, I, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation. You're going to see a lot of a lot of guys in and out of of these packages and formations, and a lot of it's going to be eleven personnel. I mean, that's pretty much their base. That's what they run. They're not going to run a lot of twelve. They'll do some of it, but eleven, which would be three wide, one back. They're emptying out the backfield a lot in camp. I'm noticing that. So seeing a lot of Blackshear and Miles Sanders and even Chuba emptied out less of Chuba, but because his hands are not his strength. Chuba's been running hard, but Sanders and Blackshear, your pass-catching specialist out of the backfield, they've been moving him out to the, the moving those both guys out, flexing him out there uh, post-snap or pre-snap, post-huddle, uh, and it gives the interior of that defense a bit of a challenge with matchups. So, yeah, I did, to your question about depth chart, I don't know. The, the one thing that was, I think, also a little bit revealing about depth chart, if you want to take anything from it, was the fact that they've had a nickel corner designation uh, and it was Chin. So they they pretty much make no secret about that, that it's going to be, you know, for the most part, it, most of what they're going to play is three safeties at a time on the field in certain alignments, most of which will be Chin down low in a nickel alignment. And then with Bell and, and Woods, if they both stay healthy, you got Sam Franklin too in the mix. But no, I think Mingo's had a good camp. I think he's he's worthy of that spot. It doesn't mean Marshall's had a bad camp. It's just you know, I'm pumping the brakes on – being overexcited or overcritical of either guy right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. 
Um, let's close out here with the offensive line. Um, you know, th- this was going to be a very good opportunity for them to go against a uh, one of the best defensive line units in the NFL. And yeah, I saw some mixed reviews on that front. Uh, and n- nothing good or bad. I, I don't mean to say it in a. Uh, I, I didn't see positive and negative, you know, tweets. I just read different reports um, from both, uh, you know, sides on you know how the performances went. Now, this is a unit that has continuity. You were able to solicit Aaron Rodgers' opinion on this offensive line coach, James Campman, and he spoke very highly of him. But as far as the five offensive linemen, and maybe even you can kind of bring your perspective into the left guard situation, what has been your takeaway during today's practice against a very formidable New York Jets front? Yeah, I thought they did just fine. I really do. Again, not not to make too much of it one way or the other, but I thought they held up just fine. I mean, Bryce, there, there's so much movement from his end, and he's not going to get off his spot until he needs to. That's the one thing he's got is great pocket discipline. So you know when he's getting off his spot, there's something genuinely going on that is a little bit off schedule for the offensive line. There were a couple reps like that, but there were a couple reps too where um, – first team and second team or even Dalton was able to sit back comfortably and deliver the pill um yeah I think you go across the line there obviously we know the story about Austin Corbett we talked to him this week he's still a ways out with his leg injury working on his rehab and um I I don't think he's going to be seeing any starting time in the first couple of weeks of the season but he's the guy now Cade Mays is getting the reps at right guard He's had a couple procedure penalties, but nothing to, to really get upset about. And I thought he's held his own in the run game. They had good movement in the run game today. I noticed that, especially on the inside of that. It was a Christensen in particular. Yeah, you on, mentioned on, Hubbard had some good runs. He did. You know, Hubbard did. He popped. He, he really is kind of, and again, it, it's camp, but it is an elevated version of it today with, um, with, with, with joint practices. And there were some good left side runs with Big Icky and, and Christensen sort of road grading a bit and and that's not an easy thing to do against that front again they were missing a couple guys on defense but they still had big quinn and williams and 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 some of their core guys in the middle right there where they need to be so i thought they did well pass protection look i I think they're they're building on what happened last year they they came along quite well billy is is camping got this group together um you saw icky get better week after week now as we talked about let's see a little more this year um, but I, I think highly of him in the run game, and I think in the passing game, he's, he's got a little work to do, but he's not that far off. Uh, left guard will be interesting because they, they like uh, Chandler Zavala, who was hurt, and, and there's talk about maybe there's some competition there at left guard um, with Christensen you know, not holding on to his job, but they might, they might give Zavala some looks there, the first team. Uh, That's both, interesting. Yeah, maybe, and maybe he slides into the right side. They like him at left side, obviously, because – you know, he played the left side with uh, Iki Aquano at NC State, and, and that would make for a dynamic combo. But Christensen has been quite good, and I think he's earned that job until he's proven to lose it. Bozeman is fine. I mean, he's a very good veteran, and, and they, they did a good job bringing him back, I think. I mean, he's one of the better centers in the league, in my opinion. Uh, pass game, run game, uh, checks, all that stuff you do before the snap. He's a good leader, uh, becoming a good presence in the huddle. Uh, calming influence for Bryce Young. They've talked about that in these press conferences. Uh, right tackle Moten is, is as good as he's ever been. I mean, he's a very good right tackle. In fact, one thing that stood out is he had a veteran day off, and, and our good buddy Cam Irving, who I think is still a very good swing tackle, came in, and, and Burns got the best of him pretty early on. So um, there's a bit of a drop-off there, and you hope that Moten stays healthy. But again, right guard, let's see what happens. Uh, Corbett's timeline still is is a little bit to be determined it doesn't sound like it's going to be week one week two maybe a little bit past that window and you hope it's not one of those things that lingers into like mid-season but if Cade Mays or Zavala can step up and be that guy and also uh Nash Jensen uh have heard a lot about this rookie who, who's been impressing at camp uh, so far he's had some good moments Deontay Brown too Billy yeah I was actually you know I mean, it's an embarrassing moment I I had forgotten Deontay Brown was still on the roster when I showed up to camp and he's actually looked pretty good with the second unit, big number 77 from Alabama. So like, uh, The weight was an issue coming out of Alabama. It was, yeah. And, and we talked about that. And I think he's he slimmed down a little bit. He looks better. He's had some nice reps. So I think the line, look, I, I, I put a lot into coaching, probably more than maybe most and maybe more than I should for my own good. But I think with Campen, um, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers drove home the point today that they're in good hands. And, and look, I think we saw the proof in the pudding last year, the way they competed. Um, I did ask Corbett about this uh, earlier this week, that what did you gain from having playoff caliber type of games last year, like at Seattle against Tampa twice um, and, and Detroit as well. And he said there's something to be gained from that. The, the, you know, continuity they built together up until that last game where the couple guys got hurt, including Austin. Um, that's a big thing, Bill, I think, for that group in particular, that they got to work in harmony, but they also did it while playing towards what was, I know it was a bad year to start out with, but they were in a playoff race, and those games meant something. So big wins on the road against Seattle, dominating the hell out of a, a pretty damn good Detroit team at home and, and some other big moments too. Yeah, they, they take a lot away from that. So I, I say it's a very good line. I don't do rankings. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say they're, they're top five, top 10. They're, they're a good unit. They're as good as we've had here in a long time. So I, I think if Corbett gets healthy, that's a good thing for them. But uh, Cade Mays is doing a fine job. Yeah, it's very encouraging to hear. Uh, now, as we look forward to this preseason game, um, I don't know what to expect. Personally, I, I don't think that these starters will play much, if at all. Well, I well actually, maybe you can provide some input. I, I actually did read that Bryce Young will start the preseason game, uh, but I'm not sure how much the other starters will play because they are in this joint practice environment where they're going up and getting live reps. Uh, what are your expectations on that front, and what do you want to see in this game? Yeah, I think you're spot on with the joint practice thing. Usually when that happens, we've seen this in the past with Baltimore joint practices uh, here with Buffalo and others in in Indianapolis. uh, That Typically, that that gives you an opportunity during the week to have sort of a mini preseason game eval, if you will. And I think that's one of the reasons that Bryce Young will, according to to Frank Reich, he'll start the game. I mean, that's subject to change, but that's the word we've got right now. And he was real... Uh, you know, delicate about how much time we'd see from Bryce. I'm not expecting more than a series or two. And I think that's smart. I mean, last thing you need early on, we, we've seen this like guys like Matt Corral last year who, I mean, gets hurt way too early to get an eval on him. So you want to make sure you're keeping your guys healthy. Uh, speaking of Corral, I think he's going to get a lot of reps uh, this week in the game. And Eddie Dalton will get some, some opportunities too. And I think um, – you know, the rest of the team, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, a quarter or so for some of these starters, they'll stagger it a little bit. We'll know more after the final practice uh, coming up here on Thursday. Frank will give us an update, I'm sure, on, on what to expect. I'm sure by like Friday uh, afternoon, evening, we'll get a much more detailed outlook of what to expect. But I, I would expect at least a series or two from Bryce Young. And, and that's encouraging. You want to get a little tape on him. I know I, I do. You do. You want to see kind of his NFL acumen, and certainly you want to see him go against uh, the Jets starters. I know Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to play in this game, um, according to Robert Sala, and that's no big surprise, but there'll there'll still be some (laughs) very good players on that field, on that defensive side and on the offense with guys like Garrett Wilson. Uh, I would expect him to see some action, but we'll have more updates uh, probably tomorrow on that. Yeah, it's going to be an unusual 4 o'clock home game for a preseason opener, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, that's actually ideal. I remember last, well, I think their last two uh, preseason openers uh, have been early starts. I know the Indianapolis game was like on a Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, it was like I a remember that. Yep. afternoon kickoff. And then last year against uh, the Washington Commanders, it was a 1 p.m. Uh, Saturday or Sunday kickoff. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I personally prefer, you know, the afternoon kickoffs. Uh, it gives you, you know, the evening to do whatever you want. Yep. But, yeah, I... Uh, I think that's probably a good thing um, for sure. And, you know, John, as we close out here, I do want to kind of get your, you know, have everyone try to follow you on socials and make sure that they're following up to date on everything and uh, any last kind of comments or words on that front. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. No, it's uh, tomorrow's the last day of camp, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I'm at One Panther Place on Twitter. You can also follow us at 99.7 The Fox on Twitter, the flagship station of the Panthers, iHeartRadio, uh, doing a lot of reporting for them. And it's it's been a pleasure uh, to to finally kind of be in the ropes and and for the first time since the Ron Rivera days and to get a sense of, of what this operation is and in the conversations I've been able to, to have with, uh, you know, guys that have been on this team for a while, it's, it's, you know, on and off the record have been great. And you're, you're going to get some more of that content here on the roar in the coming months. It's one thing I'm excited about. You and I are going to 
brainstorm with some ideas, maybe a little film study, maybe a little of that coming to YouTube, but we'll see. And then obviously some more guests that are player-centric, coach-centric. Um, looking forward to bringing that to the equation too. So uh, I appreciate you, Billy. It's been great doing this show with you for going on like this is our fourth season. I can't believe that. And, and we're actually you know looking at some real NFL football now. It's It's nice, man. Yeah, for sure. And thank you, everyone. We will have a recap show after Saturday's preseason game, so be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, thank you and enjoy the rest of your week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.